Transmitting over the airwaves from sunny East Hollywood. East Hollywood. Comes the show where we explore our guests' life and culture and how food shaped that experience. From their first slice of pizza to the restaurant they really wish was still open, this is Food POV with your host, Jason Parker. Jason Parker here with Food POV, and my guest today is an old friend of mine, John Imig. Say hello, John. Hello, hello, everyone. Um, so, John, where where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. Nice, good yeah. old Boulder. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was uh, what was breakfast like at the Imig household? Oh, I mean, it, it was pretty simple. My my parents were Midwest people um, that <laughs> had simple food tastes. Uh, so, I mean, it was typically cereal and milk. But, you know, if we were getting uh, getting crazy, we would do pancakes and eggs and bacon and, you know, typical all-American stuff. Um, so in my household, it was... It was cereal on the weekdays, and then weekends was the the special breakfast, like the pancakes and things mm, like that. Because mm-hmm. um, my, my my mom didn't have the time in the morning to do much more than pour milk into cereal. Sure. Um, what about what about lunch? What was uh, what were you bringing to school? <laughs> I mean, again, it's it's all like the most uh, typical generic stuff, uh, you know, turkey sandwiches, PB&J. Um, you know, I think the most exciting and exotic thing that I ever got in my school lunch was this weird thing. Looking back now, it's weird. It was a tortilla with cream cheese and salsa rolled up. Um, and that was something that my mom came up with and I thought that was like the most amazing thing ever. So I ate that a lot too. I mean, that sounds great. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, it was, a I think a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, some chips and a cookie or something. I was always, I, I was always envious of the kids whose parents didn't care at all and let them go with like all sugar stuff, you know, like the kid who'd have the lunchable the can of soda and then like something else that was like a bag of chips. And right. it was like, man, that kid's parents hate him, but like he's living the dream. Yeah. See, my, my parents were funny like that. They, they did certain things uh, like they wouldn't let me have super sugary cereals. Like sugar couldn't be like the, any one of the top three ingredients on the cereal box. But on the flip side, we had like a constant supply of Coca-Cola and Dr. Pepper and like Cool Ranch Doritos, like other stuff that was completely terrible for you, but, you know, we couldn't have sugary cereal. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that, because, yeah, we were the same way, like no no sugary cereals, um, occasionally a sugary cereal, maybe like once every couple months or something, like it was like good grades or something that I'd <laughs> right. get some... Uh, but it was always the the knockoff brand version of it too, you know, it was the... It wasn't Lucky Charms. It was the the, the pirate version, right? You know? Sure, sure. The the mateys. <laughs> um, and then so, what about dinner? What was uh, what was dinner like? Uh, you know, it was again mid Midwest food. Um, lots of like chili and you know things that uh, 
uh, casseroles and occasionally some mm-hmm. enchiladas or things like that. But uh, if my mom was cooking at home, like if it was a special occasion, um, we would often have actually there was kind of a set meal that was like the special occasion meal. So it was like a, for your birthday, you got to pick your meal two older sisters and we all chose the same thing for our birthday and it was always uh mashed potatoes um uh artichokes because artichokes are fun and you dip them in butter um <laughs> canned mandarin oranges for some reason we loved and and i think that's all all we asked for as kids and my mom was like that's just a bunch of side dishes and so he would make us have steak so steak was always the the main course so it was that meal steak potatoes mandarin oranges and artichokes and that was the special occasion that's funny um was there any food that was so if my if my mom and stepdad got crab we weren't allowed to have any they would eat it in front of (laughs) us and they would give us they would give us little bites of it it was basically like we you know, like a 10 year old can't appreciate the flavor. So they're not going to waste it on him. Did it, was there anything like that in your house? Was there something, uh, uh, my stepfather also wouldn't let me ever have corn pops. He would get a <laughs> box of corn pops and he would eat them all himself, but I was never allowed to have a bowl of them. Um, so it just boggles my mind, but <laughs> nothing quite hoarded like that. Uh, you know, I, I, my parents uh, actually have a sweet tooth and, uh, I know that, again, they didn't want us having a ton of sugar and candy so there would occasionally be like snickers this is kind of my my dad's weakness and uh and they would be we could have snickers occasionally but the bag was always hidden in a place that we didn't know so that they could control the the flow of snickers (laughs) um growing up in uh, colorado did you ever get any um any game growing up any any neighbors who gave you you know deer or fish or anything like that <laughs> yeah you know uh you'd think so but um but not really like that was our family uh we occasionally would would visit relatives and we would have game uh, you know i have relatives all throughout the west and idaho and wyoming and montana um and occasionally we'd visit like my uncle and and my and there would be the, the refrigerator in the garage that was packed full of deer or elk or something. Um, so we would always eat game when we'd go up to visit relatives, but uh, not, not as much in Colorado. Mm. Nice. Um, what about, you've, you've mentioned birthdays. What was um, at Thanksgiving? Were you a turkey family? Were you a ham family? Yeah, well, we had a pretty big extended family here in Colorado, and and so it was a big get-together. It was four different families, and so we would have a a pretty good assortment. So definitely turkey, and sometimes we'd have two turkeys even, so there'd be like Mm. the roasted turkey, and then I had an uncle that had uh, one of those big fryers, so we'd have the fried turkey, which is just amazing if you've never had it. Um, And then there'd often be a ham as well, so we would do the trio. Okay. You know that, you know why everybody burns their houses down when they're frying those turkeys? It's because they put too much oil in the, uh, in the thing. That's what it is. Yeah. Or they put a, uh, the turkey's still frozen. If the turkey's frozen and you put it in the hot boiling oil, it'll explode. Yeah. yeah. Explode. Wow. I've been cooking a lot of French fries at home. So I've got all these little like first degree burns from dropping potatoes in oil. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> but it's so good. 
Oh yeah, I've been. I have beef tallow, so I just got eight pounds of beef tallow in the mail. So I'm just, I'm frying it up right in the in the cast iron. It's pretty tasty. Amazing. Um, what about other holidays? Any any meals that were significant? Um, big uh, Christmas, uh, Easter, anything like that? Yeah, sort of. I mean, so Christmas was always a fun one. That was one we looked forward to because we would do fondue. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I didn't know that this wasn't what a lot of people think of as fondue, but we would do like boiling oil fondue and we would do meat in it. So I didn't even know what cheese fondue or chocolate fondue was growing up. I just thought fondue was always boiling oil, um, which is delicious. Uh, oh yeah. but it, it's kind of a production. My mom hated it and eventually she got rid of it, but that was like, it was a big deal because that was my favorite thing was, was getting to dip these chunks of meat into this boiling oil and it was delicious. So that was always fun for Christmas, but all the other occasions were, were going out to eat. Um, and that is kind of okay. what shaped a lot of my experience growing up And you know, Boulder is I'm sure it's part of like the Rocky mountain West. Um, but it's, it's a pretty big foodie town. Um, and a lot of travelers. So for, for being like a Rocky mountain town, it actually had a, a fair amount of good food and including a lot of like Tibetan food. Um, a lot of like the oh, boulder right. climbers would go climb in Tibet and then they'd bring back their, their Sherpas and they'd open a restaurant. So that was always like, was a big deal for us is when we got to go out for like Indian food or Tibetan food. Um, and that is really sort of what shaped my interest in, in cultural food. Um, was going out for for meals like that, and and like the first time I tried sushi uh, was a very a very big deal, and um, so then obviously when I moved to Los Angeles, that's when my my love of food really took off because there was so much interesting cultural food. Um, it's funny you say that because when I moved to LA um, years ago, I remember I remember looking through the LA Weekly. And seen, I'm not sure if Jonathan Gold was with it yet, but they had, they would just have the rundowns of all the restaurants. And I remember I made myself a, a thing. I was like, every week I'm going to try food from a, like a different culture. Mm. Um, I don't think I made it very far because I was very broke back then. I spent most of my money on, on weed. <laughs> um, so if I had extra money, it usually went, I usually stopped. <laughs> it was tacos where it was about as far as I made it, but um but yeah, it's such a this is such a great city for for being able to to try so many different things. Even just tacos. I mean, you've got a thousand different kinds of yeah, tacos. Yeah, sure. And I, you know, to be honest, it's uh, LA is an expensive city, but um, I, I think it's actually one of the best cities for cheap food. You know, I'm back in Colorado now, um, and it's expensive, man. Like all the food here, like you can't find a a dollar twenty five taco in Colorado or mm -hmm. Or like a, a $4 banh mi or, you know, like a warache or, you know, the amount of really interesting and cheap, great food in Los Angeles is is absolutely amazing. So I thought that because, you know, I was the same. I was a broke barista for a long time and um, couldn't afford like to go out to the fine dining in L.A. But man, I, like I went to some amazing taco places. Yeah. Yeah. That's a funny thing though, too. People make LA like 
there are a lot of expensive things here and it's very tough, but I mean, like you and me, we had the same job for a while and I, I know how much money you made. And we were, I, I always had, you know, as I said, I would, like you said, we weren't going to fine dining, but I always had food to eat. Always. It was pretty good food too. Um, it's just kind of where you decide to be, but it's the same thing. When I go to Alaska, everything's so expensive. Um, Anchorage has some stuff like there are some some good restaurants in Anchorage, but overall you're you're going to pay a lot of money. Yeah, there's no there's no slice pizza place. Yeah. You know, there's nothing. Um, the the taco guy in the corner. There's something to be on the corner of a, a street. There's something to be said for him for sure. Um, of course, as um, no one else knows this, but John for the last few years when he was still living in Los Angeles every year he would do a taco crawl for his birthday he lived in Highland Park where there's literally like <laughs> the best street tacos probably in, you know like a, a mile or two square you know truly so, um, how many years did you do that um time? man it's hard to say I mean at least four years uh but the taco taco crawl or taco walk um started like i i had done it i did it off and on for over 10 years it actually started when i was living in eagle rock um at my apartment off colorado boulevard and we'd hit about seven taco trucks it, it was a longer walk because uh, they're a little bit more spread out in, in eagle rock but moving over into highland park um i did that same stretch of of york boulevard um, I think four years in a row, um, you know, and it varied from year to year, but it was usually between five and eight taco trucks in a 1.4 mile walk. Uh, do you remember who was your, who was your favorite before you left town? Man, there? so it, sort of, it, it would change all the time, which is sort of what made it kind of a fun experience was it was this like ever changing landscape of taco tables and trucks and trailers um, that would come and go. And so I was living at the corner of York and Figueroa in Highland Park. And so just for pure convenience, um, there was, there's actually three all within one block of, of that intersection. But my favorite was, was right around, right along Figueroa. It was a table um, directly across the street from the Highland Park Library, and I don't remember what it was called. Um, okay, but and I think that's the one we did the the first one we did last yeah, year. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So that was the first one we'd hit. But then there was um, they weren't always there. It was kind of random. There was uh, another trailer though called uh, La Cochinita. Um, and they were solid. They had this really great, um, it's all about the sauces for me with, with the taco trucks. And they had this like really amazing, uh, kind of like creamy green, um, avocado sauce and it was super spicy, like crazy spicy. Um, and then I would mix that with like the other, like tom tomatillo green salsa. And it was amazing. So big ups to, to La Cochinita for their, their green sauces. That sounds good. I'm I'm hungry now for some <laughs> some tacos. Yeah. Um. Tell me about a a meal you'll never forget. Something you'll think about as probably as long as you. Hopefully, on your deathbed, it still pops into your <laughs> mind as something that was like. Oh man. 
Yeah, you know, especially my time in Los Angeles, so many memorable meals. It became such a such a big hobby of mine. Um, but damn, if I had to pick out, if I had to pick out one, I'd probably say. And maybe maybe one of my uh, a trip to to Moza. I remember I I had a a meal at Moza that uh, where we just spared uh, spared no expense, um, and so just really mm. kind of blew a, a, a whole, an entire paycheck on a single meal, uh, and that was pretty magical and just so fun to be able to get whatever I wanted and wine and food and. Um, either that or uh, one of the meals I had at Twamek, uh, which was probably mm. just one of the most innovative and interesting and fun meals I've ever had. And, and of course, they're closed right now. Um, they, they might be permanently closed, unfortunately. Yeah, um, that's a concept that and of doesn't they just do got well they... in a pandemic. Yeah. And they just got their first Michelin star last year, you know, so... Um, that's right i uh i i staged at petitois last mm. year um and, and worked, worked a shift but they didn't i guess they didn't like me but i saw ludo when i was there and it was pretty it was pretty cool seeing him um uh so as you mentioned and as i mentioned you've got a lot of uh years in the service industry um give me a story john give me a good service industry story <laughs> um uh, just like a service industry experience, any anything from all of those years? Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, you can throw a couple stories. Yeah, out all right. Um, so you know, one of my most memorable experiences, and this has really nothing to do with food, but more has to do with just the the community that builds around certain food service establishments. For me, obviously, and for you, it was coffee. Um, but I remember I was, uh, was working at a, a cafe, Sport Coffee, and at the register, and there was a regular customer, this, this woman that came in all the time with, with her, her daughter. And she was looking at the menu, trying to figure out what she was going to get. And uh, a man walked up right behind her and um, called out her name. I, I can't remember what it was now. It was like Beth or something like that. He's like, Beth? And she looked at him it, with the this the strangest look and i'm like oh my god this is embarrassing he knows who she is she doesn't remember him and it's going to be this situation where he has to, he has to explain how they know each other and but they started talking and there was just like the most tension i've ever experienced in any social interaction ever before and they start catching up like oh how are you how have you been what are you doing how's so and so um and they go on and I, I couldn't, I was standing right in front of them. It was basically like the three of us in this conversation because they were stand, both standing at the register, um, but so insanely awkward. And they talked a little bit and made plans to catch up. And then they walked away and they both actually came back to me later on because they wanted to explain. They realized that this random person was a part of this insanely awkward interaction um, and didn't know what was going on. And they explained to me what had happened. And it turned out that the woman and this gentleman had been in a relationship and they had a child together 10 years prior. They, uh, he didn't want children and she did. And so 
They amicably decided to split. She was going to keep the child and he was going to go on his way. They hadn't seen each other in 10 years since they split until that <laughs> moment that happened right in front of me in this cafe. Um, so they had a child together and had like, he had never met the child. He made plans to meet her. It was just kind of like this cool moment um, that I just happened, you know, for no reason to be a part of. Um, but it was very cool. Very cool to see. And he was going to meet his daughter for the very first time. And uh... wait, wasn't that the daughter right in front of him? Wasn't she the, the kid? kid no, no, no. It was the, it was the mother. The the kid. I thought you said the mother was with she, the kid. She typically kid came in with her kid. She was a regular customer. She came in with her kid. Oh. Her, her kid wasn't there that day. Oh, she, she was, was solo. solo. Okay. But they made All plans right. to introduce the, the kid to him. So anyway, just kind of a cool moment and like so random. Good old, good yeah. old Eagle Rock. Good yeah. old Swarp. Um, yeah, good times. Um, so John, tell me. Tell me the first time you remember pizza being a huge <laughs> thing, like it is. Like you know, I feel like pizzas, pizzas it, especially when you're a kid. But there was a moment when you realized that, and I'm just wondering when your moment was. Hmm. Yeah, um, pizza was definitely like a big part of of growing up. We got pizza a lot, and we ate shitty pizza. Um, but the big treat for, for us and, and what was always a really big deal was uh, a place called Bojo's Pizza. Um, and it's up in the mountains or it's actually a chain now. They've expanded to a bunch of locations. But it used to be this one location in, in a small mountain town called Idaho Springs right off of I-70. So we would go up to the mountains sometimes and we'd go skiing. And occasionally, if we were good, we got to stop at Bojo's Pizza on the way back and Again, like kind of this old mining town. So it's this old building with uh, worn wood floors and lots of charm and character. Uh, and they'd have these huge pizzas with these giant uh, thick crusts. And I remember the crust was kind of the magic thing and it was super tasty. And they gave you a bottle of honey to eat with the crust. And that was like such a novelty oh. at the time. And they still do it, of course. Um, yeah, that but that was kind of magic. Wow. Um, that sounds good. That's real good. Um, so if I were to ask the younger you this question and the you now, um, basically, what does barbecue mean? If you were younger and someone said, hey, we're going to go get some barbecue or we're going to go barbecue, how would that be different from if someone were to say that yeah. to you now. Yeah, well, younger me just didn't know what real barbecue was. You know, I'd probably think of chicken slathered and like Casey Masterpiece. Um, so, of course, I always liked barbecue as a kid, but since then I've, I've visited um, a bunch of barbecue places in L.A., but then... Um, more memorable was a trip to Kansas city where I ate, I think barbecue twice a day, every day for four days, four or five days straight trying to hit like all of the, awesome. the notable places uh, in Kansas city. And so now, you know, I, I think of 
you know, either ribs or um, brisket that just kind of falls off the bone. That's super, super tender with a nice balance of smokiness, maybe a couple different sauces to try the meats with. So, you know, like a more bright, tangy, vinegary sauce or a thicker, sweeter, um, more like kind of creamy sauce. Uh, I love barbecue now. I, I don't think I ever really appreciated it as a kid. Yeah. I, yeah, I was in the same boat. If you threw barbecue sauce on top of roast beef, right. it was a barbecue yeah. beef sandwich as far yeah. as I was concerned. You know? and, um, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been going on a kick here in the city. I've been to about 15 places. In well, the last man, you've been on a so. kick for like so. the last... Uh, you know 15 years well yeah it's been it's been a decade <laughs> or two but um it's it's been a lot lately it's um and yeah there's a lot it's funny how many places will serve meat that they've just like braised and then claim it's so there's a place that literally has smoke in their name and their meat is not none of their meats are smoked like tragic tragic um, no smoke ring it's just weird um it doesn't make any sense to me um, cause people are going to taste your quality and know that it's just not there, you know, like, um, it's a trick that yeah, only well, works. I got, I got to turn the interview around so. then and ask you what, what's the best barbecue in LA? Um, I mean, actually, if I was going to go to one, if I had one place to choose, I would go to Willingham's championship mm, barbecue. Redondo, Redondo man. I didn't see that coming. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, this guy, John Willingham, was a world champion barbecuer in, like, the late 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. He won a bunch of awards. He actually, yeah, basically every barbecue award he won. And um, he's huh. been dead for a while. But um, his, last, his, last, um, his last apprentice opened this place and named it after him. And I think the barbecue is just perfect. Um other than Willingham's, I mean, Bloodsoe's on La Brea, sure. um, Slab, um, which used to be Trudy's Underground on 3rd Street. Those, both those places are really good for if you, if you have a lot of money mm. to spend for barbecue. Um, if I was going to go to places where it wouldn't break the bank, I would go to Robert Earl's in North Long Beach. I would go to Brothers on Crenshaw. Um so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, and then Phillips and Woody's, um, which Phillips and Woody's both have a couple locations south of the ten. So they're like the mini, mm -hmm. the mini chains. Um, so yeah, Phillips, Woody's, um, Robert Earl's Brothers, Willingham's. Um, yeah, to almost none of those places. Those. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There's some good. I don't know. I think a lot of it, it's like the mix between you want a place that looks a little totally. dingy and, you know, you want your food. It's the only time you want, only time you want your food to come out on uh, oh, yeah. styrofoam, like on some kind of styrofoam thing. It's, it's not the same. Um, if it comes out on like a plate, um, I like the butcher paper. That's a big, that's where you can always tell a place is good if they wrap sure, it. That's a nice touch. paper. So, you know, like Texas style. So, um, well, John, um, 
well, this restaurant is closed and you could bring it back, uh, Tuamek. But basically my last question is if there was one place anywhere in the world that you could have back open, a restaurant or a coffee shop, um, what would it be? Where would it be? If I could have it back, hmm. Yeah, someplace that went out of business. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Man, so many over the years. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe Tuamek. It, you know, it's it's closed. And and to be able to have that, that culinary experience again would be pretty amazing and magic. But, uh, you know, I, I it's, it's not like the fine dining places are – like when something like that goes away, it, it it's not something I really miss because it's not like, it's not like I went to Tuamek, you know, like once a week, every week for, for months and months on end. So it never really, it's not, not like the meal that I had there was certainly memorable, but I didn't have like a connection to that restaurant. Um, that's just, so, so I guess then you, your answer is the coffee table <laughs> on Colorado Boulevard. You wish, you wish the coffee. That's right, the right? Table yeah, or the coffee so table cool. lounge. You know, like getting to go over there and oh, yeah. hang out with like weird old drunk men and eat, you know, shitty chili fries. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know what? Yeah, I, I'd have trouble thinking of of like a, of a restaurant, but. Uh, it's almost easier maybe to think of, uh, of like a, a bar or another play B- bars maybe would be, yeah, sure. would be a little bit easier. Um, of course, like there was the speakeasy at the MJ Higgins. You remember that spot? If I could have that place back, oh, um, yeah. I would absolutely take that back in a second. That was a, for, for those who, who may be listening, yeah, don't know, it was a, a legitimate speakeasy in the basement of an art gallery in downtown LA during a, an era of downtown that, that is long gone. Um, either that or, uh, uh, Oh shit. What was that bar on fourth street? Um, fourth and main. Uh, yeah, that. Oh, with the old um, style sign. Um, Oh, there's Pete's. That was Pete's. great too, actually. Um, oh, old style. Bar 107. Yeah, the, uh, bar 107. Man. Although Pete's, you know what? That, yeah. I would, I'd be happy yeah, to have Pete's. Those blue cheese fries were amazing. Two dollar, yeah. two dollar pass. That's right. Yeah, before yeah. it was cool, you know. Well, yeah, John, of course. Thank you very much um, for for your time. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, and everyone else, we'll, we'll be back next yeah, week. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Thank you. Okay. Um, cool. It's still recording, but it's I'll cut all this. Um, yeah, man. Cool, dude. Of thank course. Thank you for doing this. Happy to take a, a little trip down, down some uh, memory lanes. Thank you for tuning in to Food POV with Jason Parker. Until next week. Stay hungry.